All right, you can go ahead and be seated. And if you were here when um, Cord uh, had to lead the singing without a piano player, you understand why he said that. <laughs> I wasn't here, but I heard about it. <laughs> Anyways, let's go ahead and dismiss our Sunday school classes, starting with the first, second, third graders. And the fourth, fifth, and sixth graders, you can go to your class at this time, and then all the seventh through the twelfth graders, you can go ahead and go to your class at this time. All right, and uh, fathers, hope you already had a good Father's Day morning, and Josh. All right, well, good morning, everyone, and happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Glad you're in church this morning, and if you have your Bible with you, which I hope you do, turn with me to the book of 1 Timothy. The book of 1 Timothy, I'd like to draw our attention once again to this book, 1 Timothy, and we're going to be in chapter number 1. Chapter number 1, we recently began a new Sunday school series uh, looking at this book, and we're going to go through it, and, and for the next you know few months, uh, for sure, we are going to be spending our time. So I won't need to tell you where to turn in future weeks. You can you can have your Bible ready to go to the book of First Timothy. But it's um, it's interesting because you, when you read through this letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, you'll notice some things, several things, in fact, that jump out that delighted the Apostle Paul, things that brought him joy in his life. And the Christian life certainly has, uh, has uh, so many joys and um, wonderful things or blessings uh, throughout it. And, you know, we can share, and as we read this letter, the joys that uh, we'll be bringing up that the Apostle Paul had, those are similar joys and the exact same things that you and I can also share. Uh, the Lord wants his children to have delight. It's the Christian life is not meant to be one where we uh, walk around just um, waiting for eternity, waiting for heaven. You know, as we think about our future, I, I really don't know why we could ever be sad. If you're ever sad or down, just start thinking about glory and your perspective should change pretty quick. We have so much to look forward to. If you're saved this morning, uh, the Lord has a home in heaven for you, eternity uh, in glory, things that uh, are unspeakable. The Apostle Paul wrote about that when he got a glimpse of what is awaiting us, things that are unspeakable. Uh, and so we have a lot of things. But, you know, the Lord wants us to have a life of delight and blessing uh, here and now. And, in fact, the first lesson that we looked at and we finished this up last week was um, one of Paul's greatest delights, and it was the delight of discipleship. You may remember that lesson from last week, discipleship, or, you know, today's term uh, might be mentoring. Uh, discipleship is a uh, is more of a Christian, a Baptist term, perhaps, a Bible term, but um, mentoring. And the first two verses of chapter number one you'll notice that the way Paul refers to Timothy here, he referred to him as my own son in the faith. And that was a really a term of endearment as he's writing to Timothy here. Paul um, mentioned this last week. He had won Timothy to Christ. So he had seen uh, through, uh, through traveling there, and he had won Timothy to Christ. 
um, and seen him get saved several years earlier. And we know that Paul had a, a huge impact on the life of Timothy. Timothy was younger uh, than Paul. Um, Paul trained him for the ministry. And what Paul had seen is he had come back and found Timothy serving God and found him faithful and we had really found Timothy filling his shoes. The things that the apostle Paul was doing, now he's looking and seeing Timothy do those very same things and continuing the ministry that the apostle Paul had started. And what a joy, what a joy that brought. And it was a delight uh, to the apostle Paul. And in the lesson last week, we saw that mentoring requires really two things. The first is it requires taking an interest. You can't mentor or disciple someone if you really are just focused on yourself. You have to take an interest in someone else. And it also requires a plan. And, you know, uh, it requires a plan, and we talked about that. This was a delight to Paul. This was one of his delights, and we all we have to do is read the introduction to this letter, and you can you can sense and you can hear the delight in as Paul writes this. Uh, but you know, we talked about how does this relate to us and and our Timothys, the Timothys in our life, and you know, as parents, I think this is this is mostly how we we covered the lesson. As parents, we have uh, a responsibility to our kids. We have a great responsibility to disciple or mentor our kids, um, you know, the children of our flesh. But then spiritually speaking, we also have a duty and the opportunity to mentor or disciple those that perhaps we've won for Christ, or maybe we've invited them to church, and or maybe maybe they're they're newly saved and they're young christians they're they're young in their faith and uh you can you have the ability or the uh the time to take an interest in them and see them grow in the things of the lord and those are delights being a parent is a delight being a dad is a delight to see your kids uh come up and um in the things of god but you know i'm reminded of the uh the book of uh, third john verse number four where it says this, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. You know, it's a delight to, to send your kids. Many of you parents, I, I still have three kids in the home, but many of you have kids out of the home, and you uh, have seen them go on um, into life on their own, and really there is no greater joy in the life of a parent, I believe, than to see them uh, being godly, strong, you know, walking in the truth. And that is a joy to the parents. But, Amen. you know, it can be the same. You may not have kids of your own, and, and that's fine. But you can still have that same impact on the life of young uh, uh, babes in Christ, young Christians. You can, you can have that discipling or, or mentoring. So this was a delight. Um, this was a delight. Well, this morning... I want us to draw our attention to the first danger that we read about in the letter here in 1 Timothy. We talked about the first delight, the delight of discipleship and the blessing that that was to the Apostle Paul. But then he gets right in to the next section, verse number 3, and down through verse number 11. 
And I want to draw your attention to the first danger that we read about. It's found in verse number 6, and it is the danger of swerving. The danger of swerving. So let's just read this portion of Scripture. I'll read. You could follow along. Um, Beginning in verse number 3 of 1 Timothy chapter number 1, the Bible says this. As I says, I besought thee to abide. Paul is writing here again to Timothy. I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of unfeigned faith. Verse number 6 for which some, having swerved, have turned aside unto vain jangling, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious or the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Let's stop there and ask for the Lord's blessing on our lesson. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to be in your house, and we thank you for a church that stands for the truth, stands for your word, and we thank you for the the word that we have in our laps this morning, and your word. I pray that we would, um, you would speak to us this morning as we go through it and study this portion of scripture, be with each of the other Sunday school classes. Pray that it would be a time of edifying. In Jesus' name, amen. And so the first danger that we see here, found in verse number 6, the danger of swerving. Paul writes, for which some, having swerved, have turned aside into vain jangling. You know, at this point in, uh, in time, and I mentioned this a uh, couple weeks ago, Paul had been released from his first Roman imprisonment. This was in, uh, you can read about that in the book of Acts, chapter 28. And one of the things that Paul did as he got out of prison there in Rome is he immediately traveled eastward back towards some of the churches that he had established in Asia and parts of Europe. One of those churches was the church there in Ephesus. And Paul had uh, Paul left there and uh, ended up going into Macedonia. And we know that Timothy... Young Timothy was left there in the church in Ephesus to deal with the dangers. In verse number 3, we read about this. The Bible says, as as Paul says, I besought thee, Timothy, to abide still at Ephesus. He left Timothy in Ephesus, and he says, when I went into Macedonia, and he says, I left you in Ephesus that thou mightest charge them, or charge some, that they teach no other doctrine. And we talked about how Timothy was left there in Ephesus to deal with these dangers. And in five short 
um, in five short years, things had begun to change in this church. Things, uh, things really took a change. Paul had been in Ephesus five years prior and had left, but the, ch- the church had changed in only five years. And turn over to the book of Acts. It may be hard for you to see. I realize the verse on the screen is, is um, a little smaller font for those in the back row. But Acts chapter 20 and verse number 28. In this passage of Scripture, we see here Paul is leaving Ephesus. And, you know, what he thought would be his last time there in Ephesus. And he's heading to Jerusalem. And then he spent two years in Caesarea uh, before heading to Rome. So we're talking about a span of about five years' time from when Paul was had been in Ephesus and when you know, Paul, when you, when you read the, the narrative of Paul's travels here, he went to a place called Miletus, and he called for the pastors of Ephesus to come, and he gave them this charge. And so here in the book of Acts, chapter 20, we're going to begin reading in verse number 28. This is the message that the apostle Paul had given to the pastors in Ephesus. There were, there were several pastors there. And he says this in verse number 28 of Acts chapter 20 to the pastors. He says, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which hath purchased, uh, which he hath purchased with his own blood. That is the job of the pastors is to take heed over the flock, to feed them, feed them with the word. And so he's charging the pastors there in Ephesus to do this very thing. In verse number 29, the Apostle Paul goes on. He says, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch. And remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every night or every one night and day with tears. And so what Paul is saying here is he had left them. Paul had left the pastors of that church here with this warning, this very warning that uh, um, that we just read. And now five years later, Paul comes back to Ephesus. And he had to leave Timothy there. He couldn't, they both couldn't travel into Macedonia. He had to say, well, Timothy, you need to stay here a little bit longer because there's, uh, you need to straighten some things out. And now we see the, Paul's prophecy from five years earlier coming to pass. Do we not? You know, it's amazing that this would happen in such a short period of time. A church changed so quickly. Five years, it's Paul doesn't even recognize what's going on. But I think what, it, what this tells us and really what this highlights is the dangers that are present here in the book of 1 Timothy, the dangers that we're going to cover. The danger of swerving is a very real danger for churches and for those that make up the church, the, the members. The first danger is swerving as we read. 
in verse number 6. Now, what does it mean to swerve? What do we mean by, by this? I think most people know what the word means. Uh, we, we use it in our you know, vocabulary pretty often. Quite simply, the word means to deviate or to err. To swerve means to deviate or to err. You know, it's a term that we associate with driving, right? As we're driving, we swerve to miss, uh, you know, an animal perhaps. Some of you probably not. You say, I'm going to hit that squirrel. But we should swerve, right? Uh, Most of us would swerve. Uh, Certainly, we've probably all, if you've been driving for any amount of time, probably have swerved to miss a vehicle, right? Uh, you know, and, and we're, we want to—we don't want to cause an accident. Certainly, we don't want to hit a person. We're always going to swerve for that. You know, it's a common cause of accidents while we're driving—is swerving. You know, how many times do you um, read about uh, or, or hear about a driver driving down the road and they they swerved or got distracted and went into a ditch or hit something, hit a tree? You know, a lot of times that's what ha- that's a cause of automobile accidents. You know, and in the same sense, spiritually, a deviation from the faith can cause spiritual disaster. It can cause us to spiritually hit a tree or go into a ditch. The Bible says those who swerve turn aside. Turn aside. It's not a good thing spiritually. You know, when we received Christ as our Savior, when you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you entered into what the book of Acts calls, it refers to it as that way. That's, uh, that was a term for Christians or believers, right? They are those that uh, are, they're that way. They, this was before they were called Christians. <laughs> and they had to, you know, identify the people that believed that way. And we are on that way. If you're saved, you are, you are, um, you've entered into what is called that way. And that way, the Bible says, is a narrow way. That way is a straight way. And it is the way of life, mind you. And so, If you're saved, you're on that way. It's a narrow way. It's a straight way. And it is not a broad... The Christian life for uh, for the child of God, their life is not intended to be a broad path where you can move around as you um, please. You know, uh, it it would be awfully nice if lanes uh, were that way. You go through a construction zone, oftentimes they narrow the, um, the lane. And you have to slow down. You have to be careful. Wouldn't it be nice if, if uh, you drive down I-5 and it's got four lanes and they just made it all into one lane? You could just kind of swerve around. No. I mean, that's not how it works. Now, the Christian life is it's not a broad path. It's not one that you can just move around in as you see fit. There's only one uh, the, the only there's only one way to walk that path and that way is to keep your eyes on the lord and his word and the book of proverbs proverbs chapter number 4 and verse number 25 says it this way 
You know, for the child of God, our job is to keep our eyes on the Lord and keep our eyes on his word and focus on that and live our lives according to his word. And Proverbs says it this way in chapter number four and verse number 25. It says, let thine eyes look right on. Look right on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. What are the next two words? Turn not. Swerve not. Right? Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. This is the great admonition to living the Christian life. Don't let your eyes wander. Don't let your eyes wander. There are so many examples in the Bible of great men who have gone astray because they deviated from the straight and narrow path. I think of King David. There, I mean, we could just go the list. Really, uh, every um, just about every single great man. Samson. You see these these great men in the Bible where there are times when they let their eyes deviate from the truth and what did it result in their life? And so we're encouraged, we're admonished to keep our eyes right on, look straight ahead and we're to be looking to Christ, looking to his word. Don't turn, not to the right hand nor to the left. And you know, it doesn't take much, does it? to deviate to swerve you know you may think that you're a strong christian and this could never happen to me you know most of us think that we are uh i think there's even statistics out there you know uh they they poll people do you think you're a good driver and uh how many of you let's go ahead we'll take a poll this morning how many of you think you're a good driver i do i'm not gonna lie okay We've got a bunch of liars. Uh, I think just about, I think most of us think we're pretty good drivers. It's the other drivers, right? They're the problem. You know, but I will leave it admit this. I think I'm a pretty good driver, but there have been times when I've been humbled because I took my eyes off the road, and I'm like, whoa, that was a close call. You know what? We've and, 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 you know, I took my eyes off the road, got distracted, looked at the phone. Yeah, we've all done it. Don't look at me. You know? And, you know, and so, and then I realized, boy, I, you know, I, I wasn't paying attention. And it could have, it could have been disaster. And sometimes it, it's, it, you know, sometimes it does cause we hit that those uh those um, choppy yeah what what are they called brother rumble strip yeah i call them well <laughs> i'm not gonna say what i call them sarah's shaking her head no they rattle something that i sit on <laughs> but you, you know what i mean it's it doesn't take much you may think you're a strong Christian. I may think I'm a strong Christian. Oh, I'll never never deviate from the truth. I'll never get my eyes off the Lord. Oh, be careful what you say. It doesn't take much. We, took, we talked about how it took five years for the church of Ephesus to deviate from what 
Paul had, he was encouraging the pastors in this. The church was strong. Church of Ephesus was a pretty good church, you know, and, but yet it took five years or less uh, for them. You know, turn, um, turn over to the book of Exodus. Keep your place in First Timothy if you have it. Uh, we may be coming back here. Um, we'll be coming back in just a, a, a few minutes. But the book of Exodus chapter 32 you talk about five years for the church of Ephesus. Here in Exodus chapter 32, verse number 7 is where we'll begin. Moses had gone up onto the mountain, and Moses had been on the mountain for 40 days. 40 days. And he was, of course, receiving the commandments. God was giving him the law. And notice what it says here in Exodus chapter 32, verse number 7. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down, for for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. Verse number 8. If you're there, follow along. What does it say? They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be our gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. You know, this is almost an unbelievable, this is almost unbelievable to think about. You know, um, what Israel is doing here. Israel had seen God not only deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians, you talk about the plagues. You think you see the miracles there just to get out of Egypt. And then what happens, right? Then they're faced with the Red Sea. The Red Sea. And, well, first of all, remember when they left Egypt, what were the Egyptians doing? They were giving them everything. <laughs> here's all of our wealth. Here's our gold. Here's our, here's our um, jewelry. You know, here's our money. Just get out of here. And these are slaves. For 400 years, they had nothing. Now, all of a sudden, they had everything. And they head out. So God does that for Israel. Then the Red Sea. Can you imagine being there and seeing God do uh, what he did at the Red Sea? Destroying their enemy. Wiping the Egyptian army, the, number, the, the best army of the day, that was really could have had their way with them. God wiped them out, literally. And now they're on the other side. And God led them to a place where they heard the thunderings of God in the mountain. They saw the power of God. They heard the thunderings up in the mountain, yet... In 40 days, Moses had gone up to receive the commandments. 40 days they quit on God. 40 days. And not only that, they weren't one of these, you know, there's a lot of Christians today that do quit. And then they just don't really, they just kind of don't do anything. But no, they didn't just give up and quit. They began to worship a false god. They made a molten image a calf, and they began to worship a false god. So they even went a step further than the the Christian who just quits. You know, when you're driving a car, things can happen quickly. I already said this, and you can find yourself 
in a ditch. The same can happen spiritually. It can happen so quick. And this is why we're talking about the danger of swerving spiritually. You know, and this is especially, especially today in Christianity, I think this danger is clear and evident. It was obviously evident, you know, almost 2,000 years ago as Paul was writing this letter to the church there in Ephesus or to Timothy, who was at Ephesus. But, you know, today, Christianity, um, it, people think, you know, truth, what is truth? The Bi- you know, the, the Bible is just a textbook that we refer to in, in church. It's, it's not, it, it doesn't matter what you believe. Churches ought to be accepting of, of people coming in, but that doesn't mean they have to accept every wind of doctrine that people bring in. No, the truth stays the same. God's word is truth, but that's what churches today, Christian churches, they call themselves Christian, have allowed. And so members or people that are in the church, you know, they all believe different things. They take liberties with doctrine. And if you look here in 1 Timothy, verse number 3, notice what Paul says to Timothy about doctrine. Doctrine. In verse number 3, says, um, When I went to Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. <laughs> There's only Teach one doctrine. Don't teach any other doctrine. No debating. Yeah, no debating was allowed. And it's not man's thoughts being tossed in and, oh, let's add a, a verse to back up man's thoughts. No, it ought to be the other way around. You know, here's what God's thoughts are. Let's adjust man's thoughts to, to that. And, you know, that is what a lot is. Uh, uh, it's so easy. Churches allow that to creep in. In verse number 10, we read this as well. Uh, in verse number 10, Paul uh, says at the very end of that, sound doctrine. And, you know, people say about doctrine, they, they don't like the word. It's a, it's a, you know, doctrine divides. It's love that unites. And, you know, it, doctrine, I, I suppose, it can divide people because we just have to get in line that it's God's doctrine that we need to be in agreement with. And look what Paul said to Timothy in the very next letter, Second uh, Timothy chapter number 2. Second Timothy chapter number 2 and verse number, or Second um, Timothy, uh, actually verse chapter 1, verse 13, excuse me. Second Timothy chapter one, verse thirteen. He says this hold fast the the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. You know, if you want to know whether doctrine is important, I would suggest just go to the Word of God and it will tell you to hold fast. It tells you it's important. Hang on to the established truth that the Word of God teaches. We must understand God does not change. Truth is truth. Psalms 119 verse 60 tells us, Thy word is true from the beginning, 
and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. God's word does not change. God does not change. Many things in the world have changed, and they'll continue to change. Things will continue to change and evolve. Um, society, what they allow, what they don't allow, the laws, they'll always change. Those are, those are man's laws. But the one thing that will not change is the word of God. It is a constant. And so what caused this deviation? What caused the church here in Ephesus to swerve? Well, verse number six tells us, it says, For which some, having swerved, have turned aside unto vain jangling. What caused the deviation? Well, vain jangling. And, you know, I think of, uh, I, when I read, every time I read this, I think of, um, you know, like holding keys. We don't really have keys so much today. Cars, you know, I guess most cars still have keys, but not like before where everything had a key. Um, you know, you hold up your key uh, chain and you can jingle all the keys. And that's what I think. And, and you know, it always gets kids attentions and your pet <laughs> you can get your pet's attention by jangling something vain jangling is just a little sound that would cause us to go astray and you know i'm not um in, you know an example of this and I, I i you know it's not a good illustration i certainly wouldn't promote greek mythology but many of you may have read um or know the story of odyssey um, in, in Greek mythology. Um, how many of you are familiar with Odyssey? Okay, some of you. All right. Well, in Greek mythology, there were uh, these things called sirens, which were part human, part bird, right? I should have put a picture of what they look like. But they lived on a rocky island in the middle of the sea. And what did they do? They sang melodies so beautiful that the sailors passing by couldn't resist uh, getting closer to they just couldn't resist it the sounds and the sailors would steer their boats towards the sound and they would jump in the water to get closer either way what it always did is it always resulted in death of the sailor and this was a great trap for the sailors and so in the story of um, of the odyssey Odysseus resisted the sirens by ordering his men to put beeswax in their ears so that they couldn't hear the music as they sailed by. And then what he also did was he ordered the sailors or his men to tie him to the ship's mast so that they could that he could hear the enchanting music but they wouldn't be able to uh, but he wouldn't be able to swim ashore. The point being here is you know, there's a lot of vain jangling going on in the religious world. And it's a danger. It's a danger. And it has an effect on Christians. There's a lot of vain janglings in the religious world where a lot of people are looking for some new thing. They're looking for something, a new doctrine, a new way of understanding the Word of God. A lot of you know, a lot of Christian books today, you have to be careful with them because really what they are is just a new way or a new thing of understanding the Word of God. And 
they may not always be sound doctrine. And really what it is is people today, and, and this is really no different, nothing has changed, but they're tired of the old ways. They want something new. And look over in 2 Timothy chapter number 4, and we'll wrap up with this. 2 Timothy chapter 4, in verse number 2, again, Paul says to Timothy, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Vain janglings. I, I, that's itching ears, something new. And this explains to us what it means to swerve from the truth. This is a danger. It's a danger today. It is a flashing red light if you're driving. It's a danger. And no matter how mature you are, no matter how grounded you feel you are in the word of God or in truth, this morning we have to take this warning seriously because our adversary seeks to cause you and I to swerve. And so next week, uh, we're out of time this morning, but next week I want to continue this and look at what caused the members uh, of the church there in Ephesus to swerve. What caused them to swerve? Paul had told Timothy, you need to stay here in Ephesus and charge them that they teach no other doctrine. In other words, straighten them out so that they don't swerve. And there were really two things that we're going to uh, look at and, and get into that caused them to swerve. One, there were false teachers, but then the other was um, misapplication of the law of God. And so these were two things that crept into that church, caused members to swerve. It's applicable to us, and we're going to look at those things um, next week. And so we'll continue and finish up this lesson, the danger of swerving uh, next week. So thanks for your attention. We've got about 15 or so minutes before our morning service, so you are dismissed.